All right, well, uh, good morning, Life Point. Everybody doing okay this morning? Doing good? Good, good. Uh, great to see you guys at the beginning of this 2024. I know many of us never thought we'd make it this far, but here we are. So, you know, miracles still exist. Um, and and it's, uh, it's, it's really great to be able to spend kind of the, the first Sunday with you uh, on this standalone message. It gives me a lot of freedom, which is with me can be an interesting thing and a dangerous thing. I'm not going to lie to give me that much freedom, but it's been given to me this morning, so I'm excited to, to take it and run with it. I do want to remind you, if you are a lady in here, uh, this is the last Sunday that you can sign up for the Women's Conference, all right? So um, if you'd like to do that, it's $20. It's the 20th of this month. It's from 9 to 12. It's like a morning deal. You can have a brunch, but they got to get those numbers so they can make sure they have the food and everything. So you, you want to sign up. This is your last Sunday morning, your last chance Go after the gathering to the Next Step area. Make sure you get signed up. It's going to be a really uh, great time. They have a speaker coming in. It's going to be amazing. Uh, she's got her own podcast. She actually interviewed Max Lucado at one point. So uh, she's got, uh, as they say in the uh, social media podcast world, she's got some clout. All right. So, um, you know, you come here. It's going to be really, really great. So I want to encourage you to do that. It's a good way to start your year just growing and connecting with some of our women here at LifePoint. All right, so um, let me say, it is a standalone message just beginning the year, and I thought with this one message, what I'd like to do is be able to talk to you a little bit as LifePoint family, and if you're here for the first time, you're going to get kind of hear fundamental who we are and what expectations are. So this is great, because you're kind of checking this church out, saying, is this somewhere I'd actually like to be? You're going to kind of hear fundamental about what we are at LifePoint and what we kind of expect to happen with the folks who are part of LifePoint and really what the process is for that. You're going to get it laid out, but I want to kind of share my own little, a little bit of my own story with you, uh, because I think it relates to what I've learned and kind of how LifePoint's uh, path and, and own ramps came to be. I was, uh, I was always raised in church, um, in, a, in a small, uh, like little missionary Baptist church. I went there my whole life, I thoroughly enjoyed everything I learned, and uh, man, learned so much, and, and uh, it set a great foundation for my faith and for who I've become, and and I remember being uh, in that church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And we had revivals where there would be like services, gatherings every night of the week. And we would go to these revival gatherings. And, and then um, I remember in that process, somewhere around the age of becoming a teenager, like 13 years old, I remember feeling like this call to the ministry. Like, like I needed to be doing more than just coming to church. I'll never forget, they always did the thing on the, the fifth Sundays. You don't know, have like four, fifth, five, fifth Sundays in a, in a year, you know. And on those fifth Sundays, they would do what they called Youth Sunday many times. And the ones of us who were in the church who were students, we would take over the church for the day, which is kind of dangerous, but they let it happen. And they would usually invite in some young preacher that would come in. But we would get to teach the Sunday school classes. We get to lead the kids' stuff. Uh, we'd lead the music, you know, we'd lead the songs out of the Red Book. Y'all you know what I'm talking about, so y'all know the old Red Book. We'd lead the songs out of the old Red Book, you know, and I'd always do I Fly Away. Still love that. Just fun, man. You just get, like, get after it when you sing I Fly Away. It's just a fun song to sing, right? And, um, and I remember the first time I did that and taught an adult Sunday school class. And, I, and, there, and there was just such good questions coming and, and an encouragement. It was a really great place to be. But I remember how that stirred something up inside of me and me thinking, like, man, do I need to be you know, doing more ministry. I didn't really get what that meant. And I didn't really, like, completely understand what it meant 
to do ministry. But it seemed to, at the time, and how I was being uh, in this church and how it went, that there was kind of Sunday morning, and then there was those who were called to the ministry, and there was this separation piece of it, and I was just trying to figure it out. And I remember uh, being at one of those revival services one night and feeling like God was saying, hey, I feel like you're called to preach. You're called to actually teach my word. And me thinking about how much that was going to cost me. You know, you start getting into high school, and you start thinking about all the things in life and what you're going to do with your life and who you're going to be. And I remember thinking, man, if I, like, try to go be this preacher kid in high school, it's going to be really weird. Like, you know, number one, it's really going to affect my dating life. Um, like, I was like, who really wants to date a preacher? They're, like, boring, you know? Like, preachers are boring people. And then I was like, I don't really have any friends who are preachers. That's going to be weird. Like, I'm hanging out with my friends. They're like, hey, let's go play some games and stuff. I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, well, be careful. The preacher guy's coming. You know, like, that was the thoughts you had, you know, taking place. And it was, it just, I mean, I, I felt this. But the question internally was really like, what's, what's in this for me? Like, what am I, what am I going to get out of this? I'm just going to have to give up a lot of stuff. I'm just going to have to give up, like, these things I'm looking forward to. I'm going to have to give up, like, you know, just going and hanging out and doing crazy things with my buddies. I'm going to have, like, people going to be having all these expectations. I'm going to be, like, giving up so much. Like, what is really in this for me? And then in the process of a couple of years, it's like I, I met my now wife, and we became friends and started dating, and she was had a heart turned toward the Lord. And now I'll never forget one night I was at the this uh, this church service, and one of my good friends named Jason McCullers, he helped us in the early years at Life Point. Uh, it's, um, I can't even remember what the message is. I mean, you guys don't remember most of my messages. I can't remember this message that night. But, like, the guy speaks, and all of a sudden, Jason gets up and goes down the altar, and he's broken, and he's crying. And then they like, he stands up, and they're, like, talking to each other, him and the pastor. And then he's like, hey, why don't you tell them, Jason? And Jason's like, I'm, I'm making my call to preach. I feel like God's called me to be a preacher, be a pastor in the ministry. And I'm like... Oh, gosh, now he's doing it. Now it's like all these excuses get taken out of my life. And in high school, at some point, I finally decide to become a preacher. And I was a much different preacher than I am now. Like, if you were in the first two rows, or rows, that's for lunch. If you were in the first two rows, if you were in the first two rows when I would have been preaching back in the day, like, you would have needed to, it'd be like coming to Gallagher. You need to wear your, like, you know, little tarp because I was going to be spitting on you a lot because I really loud, yelled, like a lot of like, you know, just getting in. I mean, that's kind of how I was trained in that moment. And, and my teaching style has definitely changed over the years. But it's just, it's who I was. And, and you become a commodity at that age. If you're like preaching at that age, all these churches want you to come to those youth Sundays they're doing. You then become the guy who goes and preaches at those churches. And I was going and preaching. And, and uh, it, was, it was a great time that God, I feel like God was doing a lot of me foundationally. But I was coming to the point in life where I had to make some decisions about what life was going to be. Those decisions were hitting again. At the end of my junior year, I realized I was going to get some offers to go play football in college. And so then it was like, I'm looking at these different colleges and having to decide what I want to do with my life, what I wanted my profession to be. And I had a really good dentist in Boaz that was awesome, uh, I guess, because I never saw him for more than like five minutes at a time. All right. And maybe that's a testament to having good teeth. I don't know what it was, but every time I'd go to the dentist, like at the end, they'd be like, okay, uh, the doctor will be in in just a minute. And then he'd walk in, and he'd get this metal hook, and he'd go, 
All right, Quentin, you look good. We'll see you again in like six months. And then I'd pay him a significant amount of money, and that's all that would happen. And I was like, that's the job I want. They were only open Monday through Thursday as well. I was like, that's the job I want. Three-day weekends, like that guy, like that's the job I want. That's what I thought. That's all I thought a dentist was, you know. And so i like, man, I want this job. That's what I'm going to go pursue. So I ended up going to a school that had a pre-dental program. I went into pre-dental and started playing football. And I'd kind of made those decisions really based on, like, what was in it for me. Like, you remember when you used to play that game? I think they called it MASH when you were a kid. Some of you are not going to know this, but my generation is going to know it. You'd be like, have flashbacks right here. You'd write down the word MASH, and then you would do a little circle and tell you, tell you to stop, and you'd count the number of rings on it. And then it would tell you if you're going to live in the mansion, the apartment, the shack, or a house. You would, like, count it, and then who you were going to marry, and, like, what kind of car you were going to have, you know? I love those games, right? And I remember one day playing that and thinking, like, yeah, I think I hit that I'm going to have a house, and it was going to be in Paris, and I was going to be, you know, married to, uh, you know, it's probably some amazing singer. It's probably Gwen Stefani at the time. And, you know, like, me and Gwen were going to be married in Paris, and I was going to have this white picket fence and this, you know, three, three kids and two dogs. Like, it was going to be awesome, right? Because that's what was in it for me. And in my mind, the pathway I had chosen was how I got there. Like, this is the story. This is the path I needed to take. And we get that pressure. I mean, I was talking to a student this morning, and she was just talking about how she's got a lot of big decisions to make the next couple of years. And that's a real thing. And, 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 and for you students, I hate to say it, it doesn't stop. Like, there's always these big decisions that you have to make. They're going on in life. And somewhere along the way, I think many of us, maybe like I did that year, kind of fall away from the actual maybe purpose God has for us and begin to try to chase the things that we want so we can get the things that we feel like we need. And we keep having this question running in our head, well, what's in it for me? And we just keep trying to do whatever we can to get the most for ourselves have the most money in our bank account and things to play with and relationships that we'd want. We're just pursuing it, trying to make these best decisions. And in that, we like find ourselves many times just trying to like chase after all these things and accolades and jobs and stuff. And, and I found myself doing that in college. And that summer, I worked for a guy who was a business guy who that's what God had called him to do is run this business. But he was also an amazing man of God. And he was in the middle of his second 40-day fast which I thought was incredible. I think the most I fasted is like five days. This guy done is in his second 40-day fast. And he was just talking about his spiritual connection with God. And he began to challenge me on why I was doing the things that I was doing. And it was eye-opening for me. Like, I, I don't think I was doing, I, I made my decisions not based on what I feel like God had called me to do, or the impact I feel like God would want me to have. I'd made decisions based on how's the best way to get the things I want. And that's how I'd made my decisions. And going into 2024, I just fear, man, that's kind of become a pattern for some of us. We make our decisions daily based on how do I get the things I want, instead of really asking, is this what God wants or has called me to do? And I'm going to let kind of the cat out of the bag a little bit right here, because here's the truth. If you find yourself in here this morning and you've come to know 
uh, know Jesus as your Savior. You've come to believe in what He accomplished on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. You've come to believe in His uh, resurrection, and, you, and that's where you put your faith in. Then welcome to the ministry. You're in the ministry. You know, I thought that was some like, when I was younger, I thought that was some like real special, you know, thing. Oh man, now I'm called to the ministry. We are all called as followers of Jesus into the ministry. It is just we using our gifts in the way that God calls us to is the only thing that separates us. And in fact, you know, I, I, I didn't follow up with dental. I actually left uh, that school that year and I ended up becoming a youth pastor finishing out and getting a degree in psychology because I feel like that's what God had called me to, to know people, to help people, and it's, it's steered my path. But it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. It's the question you have to ask is, am I doing this for the Lord? In fact, let me look at this scripture. And in fact, to do this, I don't say, like, even like, I met a dentist this year. He actually goes to church here. He's, he's a friend of mine. And recently, this last year, there's been two cases of students who did not have any financial means to take care of issues that happened in their life. And this guy stepped up and took care of it. And you know what he did in those moments? He, as a dentist, is doing ministry, right? It's not like the minister to ministry. All of us do ministry. And some people are called to be dentists. I wasn't called to be that guy. But whatever you find yourself in with your gifts and talents, it's not just for your job to make money. It is your ministry. It is the tomorrow, wherever you go, is your ministry you get to be involved in and be a part of. And it is important. In fact, look what it said in, in Colossians. It says, whatever you do, work heartily. Now, I love that word heartily. I don't know why. It makes me think of beef stew, that hearty beef stew. I just, when I read it, that's what it makes me think of. And, 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 and it, it gives a good picture for me because there's a difference. You ever had that like real runny beef stew that's like real watery and like horrible? Like nobody wants that. Like, if we want beef stew, it needs to be kind of thick, gravy, like just tons of vegetables. Like, it's supposed to be good, like heartily. Like, whatever you do, work heartily. Like, make it good. Do it, do it robust. Like, it needs to be this amazing work you do. As for the Lord and not for men. Whatever we're doing, whatever we find ourselves in, whatever job, whatever service, whatever, you know, that we find ourselves being a part of, we should be doing it for the Lord. If tomorrow you're going to work at a factory, you should be doing that for the Lord. If tomorrow you find yourself, you know, working in the city, you should be doing that for the Lord. If tomorrow you find yourself running your own business, you should be doing that for the Lord. And you should be doing it amazingly and greatly for the Lord. It's your ministry. It's your ministry. And I get interacted with people all the time to do it. And, you know, it's amazing to see the different folks. I get to work with teachers and administrators, and I'm not honking Tyler's horn over there, but I get to watch Tyler minister to so many people. Alvarez High School is, is an administrator over there. He's having, he's known as the heavy over there sometimes. He has to be the disciplinary. But he does it with such grace that he ministers to people in the moment. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what your job is. It can be ministry. It is ministry. And here's the reason you do it. Because we always talk about like the question we ask, what's in it for me, right? Knowing that from the Lord... You will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. Look, God just, if this isn't something that you like do and you go like get your brown robe on and you put it on and you like get burlap and you just put it on and you walk around like with bare feet and go, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to have to go to my factory job tomorrow and work for the Lord. It's so horrible. It's like the most horrible thing, but I'm working for the Lord. That's not, 
How are you supposed to do it? We're doing this because there is an inheritance through Christ that we get. We become joint heirs with Christ because we now are serving and working and, and, and following God. We now become these joint heirs with Christ. We do this because the inheritance that waits for us, because of Jesus, there's an inheritance in heaven that is waiting for us. And that is this motivation to realize that every day is more than about a paycheck. But it's about the purpose, the passion, the love that you can show the people around you and how you can make a difference with your life. And we know this. This is it. And, and you are serving the Lord Christ. So we're all ministers. And look, I get when you, you let that hit on you, like if we started calling you all ministers, like, hey, we'll just put like, you know, give you an MDiv. Everybody automatically gets an MDiv in here, right? A ministry degree, all right? So you all now got an ministry degree. That feels a little heavy, but that's what we're called to. It feels a little heavy when, like, tomorrow you got to make some kind of decision and it potentially costs somebody a job or it's going to make somebody mad at you or you're going to have to, now you're going to have to find yourself in your, you know, HR director's office having a conversation or uh, it's going to cost you some popularity or it may, like, cost you that top spot that you were looking for. Like, that's when it gets heavy. When you realize your ministry and really serving and doing the things God's called you to do may cost you sometimes those opportunities. And, and, and it can feel like, I think sometimes the reason we don't treat every day as ministry and try to serve the Lord, the reason that sometimes we can compartmentalize our faith where we just go work five days a week, we rest on Saturday, we come to church on Sunday instead of realizing that every day is ministry. I think sometimes when we do that, it's because we think, man, this is just, it's just too hard. To do that. And so we make our own decisions. This, yesterday, I've, I've got this thing I've been working on uh, for, for this group I'm working with, and I've been trying to make all these decisions, and yesterday it was in my head like crazy. And I'm literally just pacing the floor of our house, like back and forth, until my middle child, Journey, like called me out and said, Dad, go sit down or something. You look like a crazy guy. I mean, it was... Because those things are real. Like we just, oh man, we got to make these decisions. we got all this stuff in our head. And we're like, I don't have time to do ministry because I've got to figure out all this stuff that's so important. i got to figure out this stuff about my business, like about my job, my family. Like i got all these things that's so important. i got to figure it out. And we put all this weight and load on ourselves. And here's what I would suggest this morning. Is that when you actually really realize that life is ministry, things don't get harder. I think things get easier. Like, what? I know. I know you've watched, like, you know, TV preachers before sometimes say, like, oh, this is the hardest job in the world to be a minister, and you carry the weight of everybody and everything. Look, I, I've heard, I know we've heard all that. I think that when you really follow Jesus and be the minister he's called you to, do, to be, life gets easier. I'll show you why. Check out this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Uh, by the way, anybody feel like that's you? Like you're laboring and you're heavy laden? Like, man, isn't it crazy how much things speed up as you get through your years? It feels like the work doesn't stop. It just progresses. Like all this heaviness, like all these decisions you have to make, all this work you got to do. It feels like it never stops. Like you got to travel for this job. You got these extra hours you got to put in. All who are heavy, come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden. And what's it say, Jesus say? And I will give you what? Rest. Man, doesn't that sound nice? 
I'll give you rest. Now, initially it sounds like he's saying, just come to me and I'll give you a nice place to take a nap, right? It's like, whew, I'll come to Jesus, get naps. Perfect. I'm in. But it doesn't stop there. It says, take my yoke upon you. And this is when, when Jesus was speaking this, he would be speaking this as a rabbi to these disciples who were following him. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. Come, follow me. You're about to walk underneath the teaching of me. This is that three years where we see the disciples following Jesus, learning from him. This way he's saying, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Like, you're going to start living life like I live life. That's what he's telling them. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. What's it say? And you will find rest for your souls. See, this isn't nap rest. All right? Nap rest is great. Like some of you can't wait to get home on today. I mean, today's kind of weather on a Sunday. Oh, buddy, this is nap rest day right here, right? But this is not the kind of rest it's talking about. This is talking about soul rest. Soul rest. See, soul rest is when you know that the decisions you're making during the day, when you're not having to carry the weight of them being the right or wrong decisions and they all are on you. Because the decision is not about what you're trying to be successful or you're trying to gain some kind of you know, position or trying to make some X amount more money. When the decision is based solely on the fact that I am called to be a minister, God, what would you have your servant do? In the teachings of Jesus, following your way, what would you have me do in this moment? And then when you do the things that Jesus has called you to do, here's what your soul gets to do. Rest. Because if I'm doing what I know Jesus would do, if I'm following in the pathway of Jesus and it costs me something, that ain't on me. I'm following Jesus. If I've got to make some kind of business decision, and in that moment I can do things my way or I can do things the way I know Christ would have them done, and I, may, and I follow Jesus, and for some reason that business decision doesn't succeed, I can be assured in the fact that it's not what Jesus wanted in that moment. And my soul can be at rest. See, when you're pursuing the things for yourself, and it's all about you, man, you struggle to make that connection. It ends this saying something really beautiful. It says, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I love that. Man, Jesus said, hey, come connect yourself to me. My teaching is easy and my burden, my burden is light. Now, at LifePoint, how do we do that? Like, how do we, how have we try to encourage you guys and, and myself to, all of us to become better ministers in this world? Because your workplace needs it. Your family needs you as a minister. Your schools that you got, your students are in, need you as ministers in your school. So how do we, we, we from the very beginning, like 18 years ago, when me and Matt got together, we were both like just kind of, struggling with the fact that church seemed like this separate thing, that church seemed ceremonial, that church seemed, you know, very organizational, but we wanted it to be organic and this, this organism that was making an impact and difference in the world. How do we move from, the, from that spot where we're just coming to church? How do we move from that to being the church? And for over the last 18 years, we've used these four ways as being kind of the primary way that we've done it. And, and this is where the practical piece of this message comes, because here's our hope, is that you will find yourself somewhere in these four paths. All right? And these are not the only ways. All right? We're not, believe me, me and Matt are not grabbing hold of the idea that we figured it all out. <laughs> Far from it. All right? But for LifePoint, this is the four steps we've used. And I just want to show those to you this morning and encourage you to maybe if you find yourself in one of those places, to ask yourself, what's my next step? What is my next step in my growth 
to being the minister that God wants me to be. All right, so first is this. First is connect. And connect is here, what you're experiencing on a Sunday morning, you know. This is, this is the, the foyer of the house, right? This is, you come in, you don't like get to know everybody deeply, but you get to connect with some folks. And you get to realize that you're not the only one trying to live out your faith. And that when it's hard, other people around here, it's been hard. Hey, if you've had a difficult week this week, hey, look around. You're not by yourself. Other people have had difficult weeks. Like it's, we get to do this together. You get to connect. You get to come here on Sunday morning, and you get to connect with each other. And in fact, when you talk about what ministry gets done through connection, me and Matt, we would have never, never even had the idea or life point would have never even took place if we weren't just connecting. We would go uh, and spend time uh, around a pool table just goofing off, talking. And the next thing you know is we connected and realized we both had some of the same issues and struggles. Things began to be birthed out of it. Uh, we think it's important to find yourself here on a Sunday morning to connect with each other, and then also to connect with God, to have a moment where you don't let everything else in your life have headspace, and you just sing and you worship to God. Where you get to hear some scripture, and you get to just spend time focusing and connecting with God. All right? Connections is very important. The second one is this, grow. If, if connect is our four-year, and this is our four-year area, and grow, that would be the living room. And that happens in what we call life groups. Uh, we, man, we've said it before, that life change happens in the context of small groups, all right? Life change does not happen in row, rows. It happens in circles, all right? So you need to be growing. If you've come and you've been connecting, that's awesome. We love that you're connecting. But to really be an effective minister, there has to be good growth taking place. Um, there has to be growth. When, when you're ministering to the people at your work, they're going to have questions at sometimes. And the way that you feel equipped for that is you grow. So in our life groups, you meet with people that are around your same age, stage of life, and, and you have Bible study together. Some people do studies that are based out of our, um, our sermon series, and some do uh, out of books of the Bible. Some people do life groups that are books they're walking through together. It, it, it's growth anyway. You know, I had somebody this morning after the gathering come and say, hey, we've been coming for three months. We're ready to take that next step and begin to grow in our faith a little bit. We want to get involved in a, in a life group. That's the next step. That growth prepares you for the things that you're going to be facing uh, when you're ministering in the world and when you're ministering in your workplace, when you're ministering in your life, when you're ministering in your school. So connect, grow, serve is our next one. All right, Serve is about, like, if people are coming to the house, serve is like cleaning the house. Like, you know, just yesterday, and she's not here, so I can figure out, my youngest daughter, uh, on Saturday morning, I was like, hey, no more iPad time until we get your room clean. And she asked a very interesting question. She said, Dad, why do I have to clean my room? <laughs> and that's a very interesting question. To which I wanted to reply, because I told you to clean your room, right? That's the dad answer, right? But in thought of it, the real reason that you clean your house, clean your room, is because people may come by. And when they come by, you don't want it to look like that, you know, you just live in a pigsty. I don't know how to put it any other way. Like, you just, like, live in, you know, complete trash. And so we clean up our house. And serving, for us, is we, we want people to come here to find out about the love of Jesus. Serving is how we make this good, how we make it loving, how we make it connecting. Uh, the people that serve here in kids' ministry, they serve so that when kids come here, these kids can have someone that loves on them and cares for them. Uh, 
and, and, and shows them the truth of Jesus. Uh, the people who serve in, in student ministry on Wednesday night, they're here so they can love on these students. Let them have someone that's encouraging them. The people that serve at our doors and serve uh, you know, in all the interests and security, they're trying to make this a safe, secure place with loving people welcoming you here. Our, our worship team, Casey, who led our first song, if you get to see her before she leaves today, this is her last Sunday. Uh, she's actually moving to Washington. But, man, these people who do this, they've used their talents to serve because they want to make this an, a great place for people to come and connect with God. And if you find that you have connected and, and you're growing, the next thing is to use those gifts God's given you and begin to serve. And this is a great, look, LifePoint's a great place to start using that. But here's what we hope you'll find is as you use your gifts here, then you'll be using your gifts in your workplace, in your school, in your, your community. You'll be using those gifts to make an impact wherever you are. And you'll be serving in those areas as well. And then lastly, is share. We've said it from the beginning, connect, grow, serve, share. It's been a motto of ours. We want you to connect, we want you to grow, we want you to serve, and then we want you to share. And at some point, the, the big win for church is not just to get everybody here and we all stay in the house. The big win is to leave the house. And share is how we leave the house. We want you to be able to share your faith with people outside of here. We want you to be able to share of your time. We want you to find like a, a mission trip to go on or find an organ, one of the mission organizations that we partner with and we want you to find some time to give them just to, to be able to do mission work to really share who Jesus is with you outside of the, four, the, outside the walls of this, this building. We want, you to be able to share. we want you to share of your talents, like take them to the world around it. Man, if you've got amazing business ideas, those can be used for the kingdom. If you are, if you are the greatest dentist in the world in here, man, go be the greatest dentist in the world for Jesus. Yeah. Whatever that talent is, share it. Your tithes, your money, those of you who share and give that here, we tell you, we, we, people give here, when we say that, we, we give so that someone who's far away from Jesus today can be closer to him tomorrow. That's what we mean. We just get, money's given here and we put it together and we try to make an impact in our community. Sharing is not about inside here. It's about out there. One of our core values from the very get-go that we used to say all the time was this, is that we make decisions based on who we need to reach, not on who we need to keep. Now, we've, that was a little brash back then, but we were brash. We were in our 20s, so we said brash things. But the idea behind it was this. We're not trying to just make sure we have the right carpet color that everybody's happy with. Let's go find the people who don't have hope and figure out a way to bring them hope. And let's make our decisions based on the people out there who have no hope, not on, the, not on our comforts inside right now. And that's still the passion of life point. This whole process, we don't want to just get people here and just get our holy huddle and be us and us all be happy and have the songs we want and the, the, the lesson we want and get to go to the group we want. No, it's not a this connect, grow, serve, share is all so that you can be a minister of the gospel. So that you can take what God's doing inside of you and take it to wherever he's put you and change that place for Jesus. That's what this has been about for 18 years. And it's not going to change. In 2024, it's not like we're going to be like, okay, we've now, you know, we're, we've made it now these number of years. We're going to be something different. No, we're always going to be about how do we take the people God's put here and empower them to show Jesus to the rest of the world. This is not the win on Sunday morning. This is step one for us. This is connect. Down here is where we want to be. 
And so this morning, I don't know where you find yourself on this Connect, Grow, Serve, Share. But I know the world tries to distract us a whole lot. It tries to get us focused. Man, I remember that, God, that, that young cue just trying to make those decisions, trying to figure out what was right. The world's going to try to tell you to be selfish, to only think about yourself. The world's going to tell you that you're not good enough to do anything significant for the Lord. The world's going to tell you that you should write your own story and make your own way. And look, man, work hard, get after it, but I promise you that God writes better stories than us. When you allow Him to use you and realize that you've been called to ministry, this morning, each one of you are called to be ministers. Then you realize that God wouldn't call you unless He equipped you to do the things that He's put you to do. You are working in the places you are right now for a really important reason. We had this conversation early on. I'll never forget a guy named Matthew Riggins, a good friend of mine. And he walked away from a, a message like this when we were talking about Connect, Grow, Serve, Share. His next step was really to start sharing. And he started a Bible study at lunch at the factory he worked at. And there was like three people came to our church and started growing because he did that. He, he didn't go like figure out how to like become some great minister or figure out how to like preach the best sermons. He just said, you know what, I'm just going to see some guys going to have a Bible study. And just invite them to sit around a table and talk about the Lord. You are called to ministry. And we're excited, excited about that. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for everyone that's here. And for I do thank you for the call that you put on their life, God. Man, if they're connected, then I pray they find the next step for growth. If they're growing, then find out what it is that they need to do to serve, God. And, and if they're serving, then God, how do they take and begin to share the gospel with all those around them. God, this morning, I pray you just, God, just let your Holy Spirit speak to us. Somewhere along the way, I think we get distracted or we get sidetracked or we, we kind of give up. God, it's easy to give up. It's easy to, at some point when we are young in our faith, to realize, God, like, man, how awesome you are and how on fire we want to be for you and how we want to change the world for you. And then the world just chips away at us little by little. And we find ourselves just, just wanting to give up, wanting just to give in, just to survive, just to pursue our own desires, to pursue our own path. And, and God, we lose, somehow we lose the path you've called us to. This morning, I pray we would see that path. God, we don't have to like do anything exorbitant. You said, come to me and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. God, if we come and we put your yoke on us and we follow you and we serve you and we make our decisions based on how we uh, want to minister, how we want to show people the love of Jesus, God, there is rest in that. There is rest for our souls. God, don't let us give up. You know, uh, this last Wednesday, we were at practice, and we were practicing this song that we're about to sing, and in the middle of it, uh, we just kind of had a conversation. It was really great. I don't know. We talked for 15 or 20 minutes. And in that process, Shiloh, who's about to sing this, she's been with us for six or seven months and came through our student ministry and uh, got baptized a few months ago. But she said just this last week, she was reading in her journal, and she read where her 13-year-old self had wrote in her journal. 
And her 13-year-old self told her, I know it's going to get hard, but don't give up. You know, sometimes I think as we grow up, we don't dream and remember. Like we become too practical sometimes. <laughs> we think more about the bills than we do about the Bible. We think more about mistakes in our lives than we do about the Messiah and how he changes us. I don't know. We think more about debt. We think more about our problems. We think more about our job than we do the gospel. And then we do with Jesus. As we sing this song, maybe you just need to remember that young self of yours who realized how powerful God was and realized how much Jesus loved you. In those days when you felt like you could do anything for God, those days, those days were real. This morning we're going to sing, and if, if you need to come pray, I'll, I'll be up here. I'd love to pray with you. If you feel like you should have been ministering and you just feel like you kind of haven't been ministering in your school or in your workplace like you should, man, feel free to come pray. Maybe you need to just worship. Maybe you feel like you haven't been using the gifting that God's called you. Maybe you are called to be a preacher or a pastor. Maybe that's your gifting and you haven't been using it. And let's have that conversation. I don't know what it is, but in 2024, let's don't get to the end of it and and like had left, left it the same when we had opportunity to do it different. Sing this with us.